Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And today I want to do a teaching called uh, Through Peace, He Will Destroy Many. Through peace, he will destroy many. Now, of course, what I'm talking about, if you guys look at the thumbnail, it's talking about the man of sin, the one that everyone talks about, the one that everyone thinks he's going to do a particular thing and be a particular way. Well, tonight we're going to examine him. We're going to examine the Antichrist, his tactics, the way that he is, the things that he does and how a lot of people, including many churches today, are falling victim to his plots, his plans and his schemes. Because, you know, in Revelation 13, it actually talks about the mark or the name or the number. But tonight we're going to examine all three, because I think for a lot of people, their understanding is they believe that, you know, well, I'm not going to receive a mark. But you got to understand that the mark itself is just the finishing touches. So we're going to just take an inward walk. We're going to examine ourselves. We're going to see where we are. We're going to see, do we have the nature of the beast? Have we fallen for his schemes? And have we in all things, you know, not even been aware of the devil's attacks? And the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices, lest he gets an advantage. So this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about much of this, this man of sin, how through peace he's destroying many. And it's not even about waiting for him to come. His tactics are still doing the same things today. These things are still playing out today. They're still happening. You know, there are a lot of us that think that we're Christian, but really we're just American citizens. A lot of people overseas may even think that they're Christian, but when you get down to what it's all about, you'll see that, you know, a lot of it has nothing to do with God, the way that we live, the things that we do. Hey, Sister Sarah. So, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. You know, through peace, he will destroy many because most people expect the devil to come in like a dragon, like a roaring lion, just to jump in and start swinging and slashing and going after everything he can. Hey, Sister Latoya. But you know that the fact of the matter is he's much more stealthy than that. There are two ways that he attacks. One is as a serpent. He's very subtle. You know, he can be very charming. He could be very humorous. He can do a lot of different things. And then there is the other, which is, you know, Satan, the dragon, which is the persecutor. But I, I'm, I'm really, um, as I examine the devil and his moves and the plans and the plots and the things that he wants to do, you know, I'm really recognizing that. I think the serpent is actually far more dangerous than the dragon. The dragon is just the one that comes in and he just wants to destroy and do all things. But the serpent himself, man, when the Bible says he was more subtle than any beast of the field, hopefully we'll get an examination of what that is about. 
because man, a lot of people have fallen for the okie doke. They have fallen for his schemes and they're still waiting for him to come and his spirit is already here. So let's get right into this lesson. Um, hey, Sister Melissa, let's pray and then we're gonna get right in. All right, thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters that we have yet another day to be partakers of your word, to be edified by your spirit, that we may choose life and not death. And we just pray, Lord, that no man's heart be heard in his teaching. We pray that no flesh be glorified, but we pray for the comforter. We pray for the Holy Ghost. We pray for he that is able to bring us into all truth and righteousness. We pray for him that is our only way back to the Father, Lord. We just pray, Lord God, tonight that you speak, that you break the hearts and the minds, that you wake your people up from their comas, that they may see that, Lord, unless we are really looking at you, unless we understand what the devil is doing, unless, Lord, we allow you to be a light unto our path, that we will fall snare to the prayers, I mean, to the plans of the devil. So we just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, all spirits, Lord, of deception that the enemy may throw at your people, Lord. I pray that we wear that full armor, that we are able to overcome and see him for who he is, and more importantly, for who we are, that he may not sift through us, Lord, and find something that he can use as leverage. For you are the King of Kings, you are the Lord of Lords, you are faithful, just and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord God, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, so that's what we're gonna get into tonight. It's called Through Peace He Will Destroy Many. So we're gonna be looking at the Antichrist his tactics, the things that you and I can expect and look forward to, and the things that we will be able to overcome if we keep our minds fastened on Jesus. I also have a um, short video tonight. It may not be what you guys might expect, but you know, it's just something just to be, it's, that, that hopefully will be very revealing to us, you know, that it'll bring revelation to us as to the devil in his very nature and all that he stands for, because I think that people truly need to sober up. I think people look at this thing as one big joke. This can't be serious. It's not that real. It's not that important. But we must understand at all times, guys, we are at war. And when we have that type of mindset that we may have God's peace and we may do the things that God calls us to do in this life, we still must get to the place of recognizing that the devil is always looking for an opportunity to try and get us out of the faith, to try and destroy us, to try and bring us into sin and all types of deception and temptation. So from here, let's get right into this lesson, guys. I wanna begin at Revelation chapter 12. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12, and we are going to begin at verse one. Revelation 12 and one. Hope my brothers and sisters are doing well out there. You know, if anybody needs prayer for any particular thing, 
please let us know so we can put it in the description box. I mean, you can put it in the chat room and, you know, we can pray for you. So let's look at Revelation 12, guys. Let's look at verse one. It says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head were the crown of 12 stars. Now we know that these 12 stars, hey, brother Daryl, are the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? Look at verse two, and she being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So we know that this is speaking of, you know, um, this was a vision of what God was giving us in the end times. This is also a vision of Israel. This is a vision of what's gonna happen to the church, I believe. And this also has a lot to do with Jesus Christ, okay, in the last days. Look at verse three. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his head. So when you look at this, guys, you're looking at one, the woman that the Bible said is clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. You know, in a lot of ways, I don't even want to get into that tonight. I'll just, you know, continue on with what we have. But along with seeing this woman, there is this great red dragon. Now, we know that this is the devil. This is also his system. And this is also mm -hmm. his world. OK, we know that this dragon might be the appearance of Satan, but it is also an image of the new world order and what's to come. It's the religious system. It's all these things balled up in one. This is the devil's um, kingdom that we're looking at. So it says, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, if you guys remember this, this took place at the time when Jesus was born, okay, that the devil saw that Jesus himself was, they saw the star and uh, King Herod had three or no, nah, it wasn't three wise men. He had wise men or the Magi to follow Jesus Christ so they could find out where he was so that they could kill him before he could become a serious threat. So this was the dragon that was standing before the woman ready to devour the child as soon as it was born. I'm gonna show you guys a video that is similar to this that you guys are gonna see the very nature of the devil because the devil doesn't just come after Jesus this way. He comes after you and I, he comes after your children. He comes to destroy all that he can before the children can even grow up and have a conscious awareness of Jesus Christ. They're injecting kids with hepatitis C. A lot of kids are being injected with mercury and all sorts of things, you know, having autism. There's a lot of things that the devil is doing, even promoting the music and the cartoons and the videos and the TV and all these things to devour children. And that's why when you look at the public school system today, it's a hellhole, you know, full of demonic activity that these children walk right into and devoured by. So this tells you a lot about the devil, how he is merciless, he's got no love. And as Jesus says in John 10, he comes as the thief to kill and to steal and to destroy. Look at verse five. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So we know that this was Jesus Christ. 
the man child that was brought forth that would rule in the millennial reign with a rod of iron, meaning that he would be strict. There wouldn't be a lot of mess going on in his kingdom. And he would call all nations, okay, to get it right with him. So look at verse uh, six. And the woman fled into the wilderness and where she hath um, a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. So what is this? This is three and a half years. Then it says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. So we understand here that this is like a last war between Michael and, G and the, uh, the devil. Now, while they're fighting, the devil, you know, a lot of people think he's down in hell, and that would be great if he was, but he's actually in the second heavens, where they call him the prince of the power of the air. He rules this earthly domain, but he does have heavenly places. How do we know this? If you go to even Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible tells us that there are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Hey, brother Randy. So we know that the devil's not in hell. He's ruling above, above the dense immediate atmosphere that is just above us, okay? This is his realm. Everything above that is the realm of God, but the devil sits in the second heavens where he rules over the earth. I know a lot of people don't wanna hear that and they don't wanna believe that, but that is absolutely true. All you've got to do is look around in this world and you can see what is. But the Bible here is speaking of a time when, you know, the devil's going to try to make his uh, five I will promises come to pass here where he wants to get back into the heavens and he's going to fight against God and Michael and his angels are going to throw the devil down to the earth. And I agree with Pastor Price when he says this, that right after the devil is cast down, then you finally see in Revelation 13, the Antichrist ruling on the earth. So we know that there must be war in heaven. The devil's gonna try and make his last stand to get into the heavens. He's going to be defeated. He's gonna come hurling down to the earth with he and his angels. Not that they're not already here, but he will have no more place in heaven. So you guys look at this. Verse eight, and prevailed not. So the devil lost neither was their place found any more in heaven. So he was kicked out for good. He is cast down to the earth. It says, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So they were all thrown down to the earth. And it makes clear here that that old serpent, the one that was in the garden, which is fitting that we speak of tonight, because you see, if this teaching is called through peace, he will destroy many. Then this shows you and I that, you know, even when Adam and Eve were told the truth by God, the devil came in a very stealthy and peaceful manner to do what? To tell them, oh, you'll be as gods. Oh, God's lying to you. Go on and enjoy yourself. You know, God just actually doesn't want you to have the knowledge. So you see, through his peaceful proposition, he destroyed them. And because he destroyed them, to put right what is wrong, because what we're going to be looking at tonight and what we're going to be paying attention to tonight are the tactics of the devil.
I see they're messing with my connection, but you know, that may actually happen because it's raining and these people don't like what I'm saying. So anyway, look at verse nine. Oh, I read that part. You know, the devil's cast down. Look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuseth them before our God day and night. So another thing that we look at concerning the devil here, that he's also a tempter. He doesn't just accuse man, he gets man to fall into sin and then he accuses you for it. He tempts you. He's always before God day and night accusing you, but thank God for the great mediator who is Jesus Christ who stands in the gap will say, you know, Father, he's with me. Father, forgive him. You know, Father, um, I'm paying this debt. I know this individual, so, you know, give him a pass. So thank God for Jesus because the devil will get you to sin and then accuse you of the sin. And you're going to find out that the Antichrist is not much different, like father, like son. So look at verse 11. And they overcame. Who were they? That's the church. That's the Christian. Those are the people of God. Okay. They even Israel. He says they overcame him. Who is the devil? By the blood of the lamb. So we know that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all sin. When the death angel sees the blood of Christ, he's got to pass over you. That blood of Christ that washes you and I clean identifies us with Jesus Christ. So they overcame, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony standing for Jesus. Yes, he is my Lord and Savior. Yes. I identify with him. Yes, I believe the Bible in its entirety and everything that Jesus Christ believes by their testimonies that they were set free. A lot of us, you know, that word for testimony is uh, G3141. And that word means that word is marturia, which is where we get the word martyr or witness or those who would die for the faith. It says a testifying the office committed to the prophets of testifying concerning future events, one who testifies testimony before a judge. So it's just how if you and I were in the courthouse and we were asked, do you believe on this Jesus Christ? We would have to raise our hands if we're gonna be faithful witnesses and say, yes, I identify with Jesus Christ. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. That's what, it, that's what it means to give your testimony because your testimony is going to be under persecution. Your testimony is gonna be amongst those who truly hate Christians, but we have to be faithful and remain in that place with Christ that we may be saved and stay saved because you can lose your salvation by not clinging to the truth. So they overcame by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and if you look at the last one here, it says, they love not their lives unto the death. So we also know that the people of God or those who are committed to Jesus have abandoned their lives and they have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 3, that our lives are hid in Jesus Christ. We are to set our affections above, 
not on the things on the earth. So that's what we must pay attention to. We have to die out to our old life, our old nature, our old way, and we've got to get in line with the nature of God and having Jesus Christ rule over our lives because those are the only people who are going to overcome. He says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So, you know, hey, Brother Timothy, so, you know, I don't think that the devil believes he's going to win this war. The devil knows through the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice made of Jesus that he's going to lose this war. But that's not going to stop this insane spirit from trying. His main goal and what he's going to do now that he knows or he's going to get to the place where he hits the earth, he's going to recognize, man, I've got a short time. There is nothing I can do, so I'm going to call out all stops. I'm going to go after as many kids as I can. I'm going to destroy as many churches as I can, as many pastors as I can for all those who believe on the faith. I'm going to flood the airwaves and the radio waves with sin. I'm going to flood television with sin. I'm going to go after all churches with false doctrine. I'm going to, to persuade as many people as I can to be destroyed. This is what we must look at. He's not here yet, but he's almost there. But he's going to get to the place where he's going to know, man, my time is short. I'm going to go after every single child. I'm going to tell these women that it's a woman's right to choose so they can slay 3,000 babies a day in America alone. I'm going to tell them that homosexuality is okay because we know that homosexuals can't reproduce. So that ought to cut down the reproduction of man. The devil is going to come out and pull all the stops. Whatever witchcraft he's got working, whatever false holidays and things that he has, he's going to give man an insane appetite and lust for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He's going to do everything he can to keep your eyes off of Jesus. He's going to turn family members, marriages against one another. He's going to destroy as many people as he can because he knows his time is short. Hey, Sister Teresa. So if you look at verse 13, it says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. So he's going to continue his attack on Israel. He's going to try and destroy Israel. Okay, look at verse 14. And it says, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and the end times and half a time from the face of the serpent. So the devil is going to come after Israel. This is the um, period in the uh, world known as Jacob's trouble, where they're going to come after it. But the Bible says, and um, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 50, that Jacob, which is Israel, will be saved out of it. So the devil is going to pull out all the stops. He's going to go after as many people as he can. Look at verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. So we understand that a flood can do two things. A flood can destroy and it can drown. 
but the flood also can be the word where we get deluge can be delusion. There's going to be a lot of delusion in the mm -hmm. end time that's going to destroy the faith of people. We know as we, we get into the next chapter a little bit later that in order for the wicked one to be revealed, that it would have to be a great falling away. How is he going to do that? Through the delusion, introducing people to lies, keeping people from serving and following after Jesus Christ. So he sent a flood after the woman. Yeah, that can be destruction, but that can also be where we get the word deluge and we get the word delusion. He's going to sweep a lot of people away into the lies. So it says, this is what the dragon cast out of his mouth in verse 17 says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, when we keep the commandments of God and we have the testimony of Jesus Christ, the devil is going to come after us. All right, now I wanna show a quick clip of something that may give us some understanding. I'm not gonna show this guys because I'm cruel. I want people to have an understanding of the very nature of the devil, okay? It's important that we see this. I'm gonna play this quick clip. It's not gonna be what some of you might expect, but it is gonna tell you a lot about the devil and his nature. And we're gonna find out, is this biblical? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm gonna go here real quick and I'm gonna play this, uh, this thing. All right, you guys ready? Let me get those lights. Well, my speaker is connected, so you guys should be able to hear it. But you guys look at this. This just gives you a little something about who the devil is. Actually, hold on a second, guys. Hold on. I think they're messing with my uh, thing again. So I'm going to turn the speaker on this time so that you guys can hear it. Sorry about that. Let me just do this real quick. They're always messing with my stuff. All right, there we go. All right, now I'm going to play this again because you guys will want to hear the commentary too. All right. Newborn. Okay. Approaching a, a scenario called Malasia, which is from so far down the side of the dam. Oh, uh, you'll get to see the news. Oh, 
and uh, Lingala as soon as you pop into the clearing there. Lovely. There's my pimpan there, my pimpan, pimpan. Oh, someone. <laughs> 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 the altars. Uh, yeah, it's good that it's fine from here. And just uh, we'll go closer when it's done. The other one's going to come and take that baby out right now. Watch the baby, watch the baby, watch the baby. Oh, uh.
Really. I know some of y'all may think I'm pretty evil for uh, showing that, but there's something I wanted you guys to see and pay attention to because uh, Sister Sarah messaging me, that's really sad. If you guys noticed, hey, Sister Tara, from looking at the video, that the um, that calf was just born. Okay, that mother, uh, Kate Buffalo, had just given birth, just given birth. And as you can see, the two lions were hanging out, you know, two male lions, and they went and jumped the mother. The calf was just born. Now, the calf sitting there watching this got no understanding of what's going on in life, what's taking place, or whatever. But then you see that another one comes and grabs the calf as soon as it was born. Am I showing this to try and bring forth, you know, some sad or hurt feelings? No, I want people to understand the nature of the devil because this is how he comes after your children. This is how he does the things that he does with your marriage. This is how he attacks you and I when we think that everything is well enough and we go out and we live our lives. So hopefully that'll give us some understanding of the nature of the devil. Now let's go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I promise, guys, we're going to get into it about the Antichrist, but I want people to see this first. I want people to really have an understanding of what we're looking at. Hey, Sister Joni, hope all is well. Long time no hear from. All right, so let's go to 1 Peter and let's look at chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 and look at uh, look at verse uh, 1. 1 Peter 5, look at verse 1, guys. It says, and the elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So Paul is telling those who are actually, um, you know, elders to look after the flock. Like when it talks about in Hebrews and Romans about watching after our souls, that we may be able to see the things that God wants us to, to feed the flock, prepare the flock, get people ready for what's going on, being a good watchman, shouting from the rooftops, being a good shepherd, knowing when to crack those legs to move forward, but also knowing, okay, how to nurture the sheep and to get them back in line. You know that our Lord is the good shepherd, but anyone that is in a shepherd or pastoral or teaching position should have the same mind as Christ. He says in verse three, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So our lives as, as teachers and ministers should be a reflection, even elders, even the older women with the younger women should be a reflection of what living a Christian life is all about. Look at verse four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, 
all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him for he careth for you. And that's why the Lord cares for us because he sees things like this that are taking place. Look at verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And look at what he says in verse nine, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we can expect this. We can expect the devil to come after us, but he says to be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, who is Satan, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's something that we better look at and we better pay attention to because what you saw in that video was mercilessness. Hey, I gotta live, I gotta eat. You had two male lions just jump out, a Cape Buffalo that caused her, you know, she just gave birth, so you know she's weak, but they tried to take her out right in front of her own little calf, and then one more came along to take the calf out before he even knew what was going on. That is the devil at his best. That is what we're dealing with. And the Antichrist, who is the son of Satan, will be no different. So let's get right into this lesson, guys. I don't want to waste any time. But let's go into Daniel uh, chapter 8. Let's look at Daniel chapter 8 as we examine the Antichrist. All right. All right, let's look at verse uh, 18. All right, Daniel chapter eight, guys, look at verse 18. Now, you know, Daniel was being shown the kingdoms and everything that was going on. You know, the angel Gabriel came and showed him what the last days would be like and what he would be able to expect, not just in his time, but times after him, okay? And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight too, that spirit of Antichrist. So look at verse um, 18, he says, now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. And he said, behold, I will make thee known what shall be in the last end. So what's gonna happen towards the end? So that will tell you that has nothing just to do with Daniel's time. We're speaking of a time to come. So he says he will make known what will happen in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed, the end shall be. He says the ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, that's Alexander the Great, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now that now that being broken, uh, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in but not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, 
when the transgressors are come to the full. That's the end of the Gentile era, when everything gets ready to go back to Christ. He says, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. So we know that this is the time of the Antichrist. It speaks of the latter time. And it says, when the transgressors are come to the full, that there would be this fierce king, a king of a fierce countenance and understanding dark speeches. So we're dealing with someone who's very intelligent, probably has more knowledge than you and I, unless we have the mind of Christ. But this guy who is coming on the scene is gonna have answers to many of the unique questions and things that we've always wanted to know. Either he's gonna lie his way through it or he's going to know it. And because this world worships knowledge more than it worships God, because it goes after the tree of knowledge of good and evil that Satan sold in the garden, more so than the knowledge or the life of Jesus Christ, which is the tree of life, then a lot of people are gonna flock to this God because you're taught even throughout this world to worship wisdom, to worship knowledge, all that you may learn in the medical world, all that you may learn in the education system, all the things that great philosophers and all these people speak about, it's pure humanism. It's all about glorying in the mind of man, but you know, uh, discontinuing from the life of God. So that's what we're looking at here. This guy will understand dark sentences. And it says his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. So we know that in Revelation 13, it says that the dragon who is Satan gives this antichrist his power and his seat and great authority. Okay, so he's not here on his own. He's going to be full of Satan, full of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, but he's gonna get a lot of people to flock to him. And it says, not in his own power, he'll be mighty and he shall destroy wonderfully. So we must understand the word wonderfully. If you look at the word wonderful, it's H6381. It says to be marvelous, to be wonderful, be surpassing, be extraordinary, separate and distinguishing action. It says to be beyond one's power, be difficult to do, uh, to be difficult to understand, to be wonderful, be extraordinary, to be marvelous. So we understand what it's talking about, or it says to show oneself wonderful and marvelous. So imagine somebody destroying guys marvelously or wonderfully. That means that this guy is gonna come and put his arm around you. He's gonna impress you. Most likely he'll be good looking. He's gonna preach a doctrine that everyone loves and understands and desires. He's going to be so fun and likable that through that being liked and through that having all that charisma, he is going to destroy many. You guys are seeing this today, even in the churches. You'll find that a lot of charismatic, and when I say charismatic, I'm not talking about gifts of the spirit. I'm talking about charisma, being liked. You're seeing these eloquent orators in the pulpit, giving people steady diets of trash, you know, just nice trash, anything to make you feel good, but it's not leading people towards the life of God. What is that? That is the spirit of Antichrist. A lot of people think the spirit of Antichrist is just gonna be mean and nasty and ugly and stinking, but it's just the opposite. The devil knows if he's going to identify himself as Jesus Christ, or he's going to try and get men to 
follow after him. He cannot show his true form, okay? The Bible says that the devil himself is transformed as an angel of light. So he's gonna come and be likable. He's gonna be very friendly. And through all of that, he is going to destroy wonderfully. So more important than the great tribulation, I think are the first three and a half years that this man is gonna come with peace because when he comes with peace, he's gonna make everybody feel warm and fuzzy, but he is going to destroy. This is what you're seeing today. And by the way, don't believe all those stories that you see on the news about America attacking Iran and Iran attacking America. Don't you believe it? There is a hidden hand behind the scene like a puppet master that is giving you and I our daily news to do what? To get you and I to think a particular way before things jump off. They sell fear. I'm not saying that stuff's not gonna break out, but I'm telling you that the news that they give you and I is well orchestrated. The Illuminati doesn't pick wars. They don't pick sides in a war. They pit two against each other, two leaders that are well aware of the other, probably brothers in some secret society that are pushing out their agenda to get everybody to watch the stage play and have their emotions tied to it, believe on it, to be afraid or to not even know what's going on. All smoke and mirrors. This is in many ways how that spirit of Antichrist it destroys wonderfully and marvelously because we believe all the garbage that we see in the tabloids and in the headlines when really the devil keeps his hand hidden so that he may come out as the savior in the end. We, we gotta be aware of this because we're probably gonna have a man come after Trump that's probably gonna solve World War III. He's gonna solve world hunger. He's going to solve you know uh, wars. He's gonna bring peace. He's gonna be lovable and likable and kind and funny. And he's gonna, for a time, pretend like he cares for the Christian. But you see, it's all a part of a game. It's all a part of a scheme. It's all meant to do one thing. And that is to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ and crown another so-called savior as king. So let's get back into the scriptures. I just wanna make this point. So it says in the latter time of their kingdom, when a transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. So best believe he is coming after the Christian. He is coming to destroy the Christian. Okay, in the beginning, it's gonna look like he's fighting for the Christian. I would even imagine to gain the, the, the um, popularity of the people, he's gonna come against some world powers. And you and I hear about the Illuminati and what they do and they're evil and they're vicious and they're controlling the world. He's probably gonna come bump a few of those guys off, okay, to prove his loyalty to the people. But it's only gonna be a scheme, okay, that he can get us to, Man, you see, that's what we need. There's no need in waiting for Jesus. This guy's already here and he loves and he's feeding the people in Africa and he's going out to India and he just, you know, that's the kind of love that we ought to have. It's gonna be a game, but this is what he does. He shall destroy the mighty and holy people, okay? Look at verse 25. 
it says, and through his policy, like his political agenda, also mm -hmm. he shall cause craft to prosper. Let's look up craft, guys. This is H4820. That word is deceit and treachery. So he's going to bring false feigned uh, guile, subtlety, treachery, and he's going to bring deceit, just like his father, who is the devil. So that's why when you guys watch the news and you see all this stuff, man, watch with a watchful eye. Take what most of what they say with a grain of salt, because the bottom line is they are not telling people the truth. They can't afford to tell you the truth because they've got too much on the scene that they want to do. So while this guy is ruling through his political agendas, his policies, he's going to cause treachery and deceit to prosper. He's going to be um, putting laws and things in play that will go against the laws of God. Why? Because he wants to destroy Jesus Christ's image. He wants to go against the Christian. That's why he's going to come in world peace, but he's going to turn hard on the Christian because that's his overall agenda. So he will cause craft to prosper, I mean craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. So while he's bringing peace, while he's gaining the allegiance of all the people, while he's gaining love, he will destroy many people because the devil through all his subtlety, all he had to do was take Adam and Eve away from the tree of life and bring them unto the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's all it took. All of mankind was destroyed until the coming of Christ. So don't think that this guy is just gonna, you know, come in and start slashing and cutting. He'll eventually get to that point. But right now, through his love, through his spirit, through his wave, this false love, this spirit of Antichrist, he is going to destroy many churches, many religious leaders. He's going to pollute and poison society with his false love. And that's why when you got people telling you today, man, don't, don't tell people about sin. Just love. Just love everybody. It's false, guys. It's the spirit of Antichrist because the devil doesn't want you to get right with Christ. It wants you to hate the true Jesus Christ and the true doctrine of Christ and go after the spirit of Antichrist. So you see, the devil is not just going to be a roaring dragon. He is going to come with subtlety and this false love. So it says through peace, he will destroy many. He also shall stand up against the prince of princes. So he's going to think that he can take down our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but he shall be broken without hand. What does that mean? When at the end of time in Revelation 19, all the Lord is going to do is speak with a sword proceeding out of his mouth, which is most likely the word of God, and he's going to destroy all his enemies. So this guy is going to rule. He's going to promote himself. He's going to promote humanism. He's going to slowly and methodically turn you away from the Bible and the true doctrines that the Lord tells us that we need to follow, and he will destroy many. All the devil has got to do is take you away from the life of Jesus Christ, and it will be a slow and painless death. It's going to slowly take you out. All the devil has to do is remove you from Jesus Christ. That is what he's all about. Hey, Dawn, hope all is well. My baby sister, look at verse 26. And the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told is true, 
Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days afterwards. I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. So Daniel was being shown something about the end times, about this Antichrist, about his spirit, what he would be like. And that's why the Bible tells us that every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And it says, for the one that's not of God, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which now you have heard that it should come, but it but now is already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist was always working behind the scene to change the way you and I think. It's in the education system, it's in the banking system, it's in the political system, it's in the military, it's in the scientific arena. This whole thing is covered by the spirit of Antichrist to change the way that you think, to get you away from the life of Christ so that he could devour you just like those lions did, that calf that I showed you in that earlier video. We must be aware, we must pay attention. Let's look at Daniel 1 so we can get some understanding of how through peace, this guy is gonna destroy many. So I pray that we guys are paying attention here that we may get real understanding of the devil and his tactics. And stop falling for the lies and the tricks of the devil. He's been practicing us on us a long time, so he knows what he's doing. So guys, look at Daniel 1. We're gonna begin at verse one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So Nebuchadnezzar is a type of antichrist. Even if you look up the name Nebuchadnezzar, which is H5019, that word stands for may Nebo protect the crown. So that doesn't sound so bad until you understand who Nebo is. Nebo is Nimrod. Who was Nimrod? The first Antichrist. Okay, so when they say may Nebo protect the crown, this was a king that put his trust in Nimrod, or you can pretty much say the Antichrist. Now, you know, when you go to Daniel 3, there is this image of gold of Nebuchadnezzar. It was an image of a man, may as well be the image of a beast, because this is how it wraps up with Revelation 13. But if you look at this thing, it was the image of a man, that's one six. It was 60 cubits high, there's another six. And then it was six cubits wide. I would imagine it looked like the Oscars, okay? But it was tall, it was thin, but there were three sixes there, which symbolized the image of the beast. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He had the princes, the captains, all everybody in society to bow down to the image of the beast. But there was something very interesting that Nebuchadnezzar did even before he tried to get the people to bow to the beast. He tried through peace to destroy many. And you guys are gonna see this. Look at Daniel chapter one. And again, so this is the third year of the reign. Now remember, there'll be three and a half years of peace and then there would be three and a half years of war. But you, but during the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, it says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, 
uh, went into Jerusalem to and besieged it. So here comes the persecution. It says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, which is an old, you know, ancient name for Babylon, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure uh, house of his God. So we knew that Israel was going to be besieged because Israel, were, they were idolaters. They worshiped other gods, so they ended up falling victim to their enemies. Look at verse three. Now look at this, guys. This is very important. How through peace, the devil will destroy many. And the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of, the, of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. So what was he after? The choice children of Israel, okay? While they were in captivity. It says children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding, science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace to whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So he went after the choice people that he would choose that they may serve him. Okay, that they may help to better his kingdom. This is how the devil is doing people all over. You get your little associate's degree, you get your bachelor's, you get your master's, you get your doctorate. And what do people usually come out of that like? With a swelled head, thinking that they know more than anybody else, but really all they're doing, most people who don't know, is carrying the doctrine of the beast. Okay, look at verse five. And the king appointed them a daily provision. So he provided for these people, those that he chose daily, okay, of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. So you know that most slaves are not going to like their captain, okay? They're gonna feel like you've got us in captivity, we don't like you, we don't know you, we don't wanna be with you, we don't know who you are. So the king had an idea that you pick the choice people in the land, set them aside, and I'm going to provide for them my daily meat and my daily wine, that in the end, after three years of doing this, that they may serve the king. So this was his agenda. He was gonna butter them up, he was gonna fatten them up, he was gonna pretend to be their buddy, so that they could follow after him and adopt his ways that they may, you know, be subject to him. This is what's going on today, guys. This is how the devil works his way in. He feeds you and I a steady diet of the world and the things of this world that we may like the devil in his style, everything that he has here. And this is why when you preach the, the Bible, to a lot of Christians, they get mad at you, why? Because the devil has sold them on the world and they love the world. So this is how in many ways the devil destroys marvelously because we love his taste, we love his taste in houses, we love his taste in cars, we love his taste in women and men, we love his taste in entertainment. And when we flock to those things, they take our hearts away from where they should be on the will of Jesus Christ and they will, you know, flock to what the Antichrist is doing.
So anyway, if you look at this, guys, look at verse six. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the king of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah um, of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Benigo. So notice that the eunuch that was in charge gave them all different names that he would get them to follow him. Hey, Brother Frederick. So if you look at the name first, which is uh, Hananiah, that word means God has favored. So that's what Hananiah's name means, but it was changed to Shadrach, which means royal or of the great scribe. So someone that would work after them. No mention of God in his name whatsoever. He was just gonna be a worker for, for Nebuchadnezzar. So his name was changed. You look at the next guy, Mishael, and his name means who is what God is. You know, or who is like God. The, same, the name Mishael is where we get the name Michael. That's what his name was going into Babylon, but it was changed to Meshach, which means guest of a king. So he's now the guest of Nebuchadnezzar. There's no God in his name either. This is how the Antichrist or the world system works to, to you know, change our names and get us to go after the things that are not of God. And you look at the last guy, Azariah, his name means Jehovah has helped. Now, you know, that's another name with God in it, giving reverence to the Lord, but his name became Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, servant of the Antichrist, servant of what you would say, you know, Nimrod, because that's who Nebo truly is, Baal or Nimrod. But as you can see, guys, this is what's going on. Hey, Sister Tan and Sister Tatiana. So in order for the Antichrist or Nebuchadnezzar to rule over the other people of God, he first, you know, gave them provision three and a half years to make them want to worship him and see him as some good guy. And then the next thing he does is he changes their names that they may not reverence God. He put them under another title, which were his servants. Look at verse eight. And uh, you even look at what Daniel's name is. Daniel means, I'm sorry to slow this up. Daniel means God is my judge. But when they change his name to Belteshazzar, that name means Lord of the straightened treasure. So they just took him away from everything that God was and had him seeking after them. So anyway, let me make the point. It says in verse eight, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel, who's a true follower of the Lord, while this spirit of antichrist is trying to be nice and take care of everybody and everything, Daniel said, I don't want his food, because I don't want to be defiled. I'm not gonna eat of his meat and I'm not gonna drink of his wine. Now, if you guys even relate this to that wine that, that Babylon the Great, the whore of Babylon is about, you see a lot of people were made drunk with the wine of the fornication of the harlot. This is the type of wine that Nebuchadnezzar was bringing them. Yes, it was physical wine, but if you understand the symbology in it, he's trying to get the hearts of the people. 
But if you look at Daniel, Daniel in his heart said, man, I'm not going to defile myself. My loyalty is to the Lord. So look at verse nine. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch. So notice Daniel had favor with them. God gave him favor, but Daniel would not defile himself. There's a big difference of living in this world, but not being of the world. Because the Bible tells us in first, um, first John chapter two and 15, to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. That's why we can't put our affections in the world. We've got to cling to the things that God calls us to. Nothing wrong with having things, having nice things and possessions, but we must understand these things cannot be idols and they cannot deter us from doing the Lord's will or we will be defiled, plain and simple. A lot of people won't go and serve the Lord today because they love the world and all the lust thereof. We can't allow that to happen to us. So look at uh, verse 10. And the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces a worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. So the eunuch is pretty much saying, guys, I gave instruction, okay, that we are to, or I was given instruction that I'm supposed to feed you guys. If this Nebuchadnezzar sees that you guys are not being fed because you're refusing his food, he's going to kill me because it's going to look like I'm not taking care of what he told me to. So look at verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, 10 days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water uh, to drink. And uh, let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And, um, and as thou seest, uh, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Guys, much can be said about this. They chose to eat their own food, not the king's meat, and somehow they look healthier and fatter and more nourished than the people that ate of the king's meat. This is important, guys, because we gotta ask ourselves how we're gonna be fed in this world. Now, of course, we've got to eat things of the world, but you see, this eating is not just talking about food. This is speaking of, guys, what we indulge in, what we long for. The tree of knowledge of good and evil may make you look all prideful and you know, you, you've studied this and you've got this knowledge of this and that, but in the end, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. But when you cling to the Lord and his word and all that he calls us to, you are going to be richer 
spiritually and physically because the word of God is gonna be food unto you. It will be heavenly. It's going to take care of us the way that this temple is supposed to be when it houses the Holy Ghost. So as you can see through peace, through Nebuchadnezzar's peace, he destroyed many. But for those who are faithful to the Lord, those are the ones that God is taking care of and they won't be lacking. They will be like the five wise virgins and not the five foolish. So we must understand what the devil is and what his attacks are all about. Amen, Brother Charles. Uh, welcome. Uh, good to see you. But he says the bread of life. Jesus tells us not to long after the meat that perisheth, but, but go after the meat that brings forth eternal life. And that's what we got to focus on. And that's what the spirit of Antichrist wants to remove you and I from. You see, he was slick, but it didn't work for those who are faithful to the Lord. Look at verse 16, that thus Melsar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So guys, think about this. I want y'all to understand this too. When you look at the fact that if you look at what Daniel says or what God says about Daniel, that God gave them skill and all learning. He gave them his knowledge. He gave them wisdom, but then he also gave them understanding in all visions. This would be something where, like I said, in, in Daniel chapter eight, the Antichrist is going to come and understand dark sentences. He's going to draw people to him from his wisdom. But as Daniel kind of mirrors this, having the wisdom of God, he doesn't need the Antichrist for anything. He is complete. And you see, that's what you must understand. If you cling to Christ, you can never be the idiot. You can never be the uneducated. You can never be the man that is lacking because our God has all things. So if you look at that, he's just saying, look at verse 18. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found, none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were, that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So as you can see, they've got everything that they need. In these times where the devil is coming forward with his peace, the first three and a half years, they clung to the Lord. And because of that, they were feeling mighty good. They were okay. So when the last three and a half years came upon them, when he said, you guys better bow or else, they were able to stand and tell the king, oh king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If our God be God, he's gonna deliver us from that fire. But if our God is not God, then we're gonna, you know, I mean, if God doesn't deliver us, you know, it doesn't matter, but we are not going to bow down to you. You see, even though in captivity, even though throughout the world, while the devil or the Antichrist was pushing his wave of peace to destroy many, they were able to stand because they knew that God was their God 
and they didn't fall for the snare of the devil. The first three and a half years of the Antichrist is to gain your heart, to gain your loyalty and your trust. But the last three and a half years will be your head on a pike. But if you stand for Christ and you are intimate with Jesus Christ, like these guys were, they won't bow down to anyone except their God. So it's important that we understand through his peace what the devil is doing before many of us today. I have seen people come to this ministry, start learning the ways of Christ, start to get good with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I got a job making $100,000 a year. Can you believe it? You know, which can be a blessing of the Lord, but I've seen these people's lives after they left. I've seen what's become of them. Hey man, you, you still following the Lord? Oh, well, you know, I don't really have time, you know, but I'll get there. I'll get there sooner or later. So it couldn't have come from God because all gifts that come from the Lord will bring you closer to Jesus Christ. But through his peace, he's gaining hearts of people and destroying them while they even believe I'm serving the Lord. Man, God wants you somewhere up down the road and we're getting caught up with stuff. But you see, guys, this happened. I'm going to show you more tactics of this before we dig in deep. Look at Jeremiah chapter six. Jeremiah chapter six and look at verse one, as we talk about through the devil's peace, how he is going to destroy many. And guys, if you don't understand what I'm saying, please ask questions because with all we get, we are to have understanding. Oh man, what word do we eat? Amen, brother Charles. That is the truth. We better eat the word of God. Jeremiah 6, guys, look at verse 1. It says, O ye children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a sign of the fire in Beth Hesarim, uh, for evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. So what is what is Jeremiah seeing here? the destruction of Israel, that these things are coming. They're, they're soon going to go into captivity, the captivity that you and I have been reading. But we're going to find that there were things here that helped the people to go into captivity. So you see, everybody that claims to be a Christian is not on your side. Amen, Sister Latoya, be alert. It says, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her, they shall pitch their tents against her about, uh, about. Uh, they shall uh, feed every one in his place. Prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe unto us, for the day goeth away, for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Arise and let us go by night and let us destroy her palaces. So this is what's happening concerning Israel. Destruction and judgment are on their way. Look at verse six. But thus hath the Lord of hosts said, hew ye down trees and cast a mount against Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. She is holy oppression in the midst of her. As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness, violence and spoil is heard in her before me continually is grief and wounds. Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest thy soul depart from thee. 
lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. So God was showing him destruction and God was telling him to be faithful. But you know, Israel has the same problem many of the people today have, they're idolaters. They cling to things that are not of God and yet they expect God to be with them. Look at verse nine. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer in thy baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Um, so whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. So Israel, God, God is sending warning at this point, Israel. Give your time unto the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Stop following these idols and going after these things that won't profit. But what you're seeing here is, it says their ears are uncircumcised. You know why? Because they're covered with the spirit of Antichrist. It says they cannot hearken. Not that they won't, they can't. You see, when we're not following God and doing what he says, our hearts won't turn towards the Lord. So they can't hear. Then it says, behold, the word of the Lord is unto them as a reproach. If you look at the word reproach, it says to scorn or to taunt or um, you know, resting upon condition of shame, a disgrace. So they hate the word of God. They don't wanna hear it. It reminds them of their sin. It tells them where they're falling short. It taken all of their fun out of their lives. This is how they feel about it. Look at verse 11. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of the young men together for even the husband with the wife shall be taken and the aged, or it says the aged are with him that is full of days. So this whole atmosphere, guys, is saturated with the spirit of Antichrist. They're not hearing the Lord. Marriages are not obeying the Lord. Young men are not obeying the Lord. Assemblies are not obeying the Lord. The temple is all messed up. And it says that um, even the aged people are not obeying the Lord and they're about to be judged, the elderly. Look at verse 12. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. Now, some people don't know this, but this is coming to an America near you. These people, these NATO troops and all these individuals that wanna take over America, they have been promised the spoils of America. So while you're keeping your car nice and washed, while you're keeping your home all decked out and everything else, while you keeping your job and all your prized possessions and jewelry and all these things, these people are coming to take your stuff. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because America needs to repent. America thinks that everything's gonna take place over there and America's gonna be fine. You better ask yourself why Trump is building that wall because we've done teachings about this stuff too. Do you guys even know, while we're sitting here laughing and wondering about the Super Bowl and all this other mess, do you not know that in a few months, you're not gonna be able to travel by plane anywhere in the United States unless, okay, you, are, um, you uh, have a passport. 
You can't even fly within the nation without a passport. They're getting ready to lock this thing down. So if anybody can, get yourself a passport if you don't have one, because you will not be able to fly or leave the country. Now, you know you couldn't leave the country without it, but you see, while we're being entertained, while we're telling everybody just love, while we go out and have as much fun as we can possibly have, the devil is trying to close the net all around us. So while people are saying when the Antichrist comes, yeah, I'm gonna blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, through peace, through peace, he is destroying people already. Because if he's got your heart, he's got you. And that's why it means when it says in Revelation 13 about taking the mark or the name or the number, you know, some people are gonna feel at this point more familiar with the Antichrist than they will with Jesus Christ. And this is what we must pay attention to, guys. We better wake up, as Pastor Price said, because that coffee is brewing real heavy. But anyway, look at verse. Um, uh, look at verse twelve. It says, "And their houses shall be turned unto others, uh, with their fields and wives." So their wives are even going to be turned over. There's going to be a lot of ravaging. And I'm not trying to scare people, but this is a time to get your house in order because God is going to protect His people. But you see the Antichrist and what he's trying to do is rock you guys to sleep, finding things more important than prayer, more important than obeying God and doing what he said. So anyway, he says, and for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord, for from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. So as you can see, guys, because these people are so greedy, they're so running after the elusive carrot, having a good old time that they can't hear God. But look at who the covetous people are in verse 13. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. Now you know why there is prosperity gospel and all this stuff going on. Sister Sarah hit the nail on the head because I'm gonna read an article to you guys about the brick and the circus. This is the Roman circus. He comes to entertain. When people used to start asking the uh, Roman emperor about why isn't there enough money and food and you know, look like you guys are doing some dirty stuff, then what do they bring them? Bread and circus. They give them you know, entertainment, the Super Bowl. You ever notice how sports controls the whole year? You know, you got football, basketball, hockey, boxing, all these things to get your mind on, not what these people are doing, and definitely not on Jesus Christ, but to be entertained. While they're closing the net, while the Antichrist is preaching this false love, you got some moron in the bleachers covered in red, white, and blue shouting for his favorite team. Hooray! Yeah! Yeah! You know, and you don't even realize what's going on. One day those arenas are going to be there, guys, to put the Christians in there, and you're going to be fighting like modern-day gladiators against lions and other things. I know some people think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Well, you sit there entertained and not getting about the Lord's business, man, the devil is doing what he needs to do. So as you can see, the prophet and the priest, they're all dealing falsely. They're all given over to covetousness. They're all dumb dogs 
going after the things that they desire and not what God calls. This is how the spirit of Antichrist works. He makes you greedy. He makes you desire after these things. Look at verse 14. Look at how they do this though, guys. Now that they're covetous, look at what they preach in verse 14. It says, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. So how do they heal the people? They tell the people not to worry. How do they tell them not to worry? Look, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. So you see what they're doing? See, now somebody will tell you that I'm a maniac. Derek needs to take it easy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't understand the love of God and none of his people are gonna have to deal with anything. We're getting pre-tribulation raptured out of here. These are the lies of the spirit of Antichrist. They'll tell you I'm crazy and then they'll tell you guys, no guys, peace, peace. But what is the truth here? There is no peace. This is the time to be alert. This is the time to give things over to Christ because when this man comes on the scene, he is going to step into a world that is his. It will be his world. He can't come right now as long as the saints are praying, as long as they're preaching Christ, as long as God has a reason not to judge just yet. But after the great falling away, when everybody's given over to this false wave of love and this false peace, no preaching of sin, homosexuality is okay, abortion is legal, and you got all these things making people through society feel empowered that you're gonna find that the devil is gonna make his move. Look at verse 15. Were they ashamed uh, uh, when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They weren't even embarrassed. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. So for all those who didn't wanna, they weren't even ashamed of their sin. When they were told, ah, leave me alone, let me live my life. But look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein? and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. So God was instructing Israel like he's instructing his church today. We better get back to the old pathway. We better stop glamorizing the gospel and bring it to a place of understanding because the Bible tells us that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. You know that when the spirit of Antichrist is present because it's always going to try and preach the world. I'll give you a real good Antichrist doctrine right now when they say America will be saved. Goodness and truth and all light has come back to America. What did, what did Donald Trump say? America, we're gonna make it great again. But what's the truth of the whole matter? They're saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. So while he's screaming to you, look at the look at the craftiness of the devil, guys. While he's screaming to you, we're gonna make America great again. Okay, for all those racists that didn't want Mexicans crossing the border, for all those people that were idolatrous over America, that's what they wanted to hear. That's what they were excited about. Okay. Now, meanwhile, guys, 
I'm building this wall to keep all the immigrants out so that America can be great. But really, he's building that wall to lock you and I in. I can prove it. Look at the 10 region world map. You're going to see that there's a dividing wall between level six or region six and region one, which is the United States. It's all part of a plan, guys, for the new world order agenda. It's got nothing to do with saving America. But you see, if your heart is towards making America great again, not making um, America a repentant nation, not making an America that serves Jesus Christ and becomes Christian, make America great again. You see, you fall for that lie. And next thing you know, your head's on a chopping block. Ain't nobody repented. Nobody gave their lives to Jesus Christ under his, under his office. And they weren't supposed to because that wasn't the agenda. The only place or the only house that is going to get right this world will be those of the church of God, those who are truly of the household of faith. God's house is going to set things right, not the White House. And that's what we better start looking at because you see, this is a wave of the love that the Antichrist brings and patriotism and be strong for your country. I'm not even angry while I'm saying this, guys. I'm not speaking bitterness. I'm letting you know the truth. The devil is going to destroy those when he can pull your heart away from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's what every policy that comes up is to do. It is to make you think, Oh man, they got Bibles in the White House. Look at them reading the word of God. I knew if I prayed that things would change. And as soon as they cut that off of the news, all right, cut, get rid of those Bibles and do whatever, whatever. It's all a game, guys. If this world belongs to the devil, then the devil's plan is through his peace and through his smoke and mirrors. It's to destroy many. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Okay, look at Daniel chapter 11, and then we're going to go to the New Testament. Okay, so we don't have time to go fully through Daniel, guys, but Daniel chapter 11 speaks of the spirit of Antichrist. It goes from Alexander the Great's reign when he was taken over to Darius's reign. And then, you know, when they were taken, well, actually starts out with Darius and Cyrus's reign. Uh, they took over Israel and then they were defeated by the Greeks. Okay. The Greeks come in, take over, but you're going to find guys in, in three places where it talks about each time that they made their move. It was always through flatteries, always through flatteries. Look at this guys. I'm going to read this to you because this is at the time of the Ptolemies and the, um, uh, the Seleucids, which were two generals in Alexander's army, okay? They were the king of the north and the king of the south. They were fighting for supremacy. So if you look at this in verse uh, 13, it says, for the king of the north shall return and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. And in those times, there shall many stand up against the king of the south also, the robbers of thy people shall exalt themselves to establish the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and cast up a mount 
and take of the most fenced cities and the arms of the South shall not withstand neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength to withstand. So this guy sounds an awful lot like the Antichrist. He's gonna come in, he's gonna have everything that's necessary and no one it's going to seem will fight against him. Look at verse 16. But he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will and none shall stand before him and he shall stand in the glorious land which by his hand shall be consumed. So he's gonna be in Israel, which he was. This is the time of Antiochus Epiphanes and you know, like I said, Alexander's generals and all these things. Hey, sister Naima. So he says in verse 17, he shall also set his face to of his whole kingdom, the upright ones with him. Thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of women, corrupting her, but she shall not stand on his side, neither be for him. After this, shall he turn his face unto the isles and shall take many, uh, but the prince on uh, for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease. Without his own reproach, he shall cause it to turn unto him. So I don't have time to go into all this, guys, but I want you to look at this. Look at verse 20. He says, then shall, um, then shall stand up in his estate, a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within few days, he shall be destroyed, uh, neither in anger nor in battle. And his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. So this was the way that Antiochus Epiphanes had come in. He came to obtain the kingdom by flatteries. What was he? A raiser of taxes. He did all these things because they've got an agenda. Now I'm going to go a little further. Look at verse 23. And after the league uh, made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. This is what they do. They try and gain the people through deceitfulness. Look at verse 24. He shall enter peaceably, even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches, yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time. And I, I want to get to uh, two other places, but there are three times, guys, in this um, chapter that it talks about that he's going to come in by flatteries. He's going to subdue by flatteries. Whatever king took over was able to subdue by flatteries. Okay, so look at this, guys. Um, let's skip down to, um, let's see. I want to skip down to verse, well, let's look at verse 30, okay, because this is still the spirit of Antichrist. I know this hardly means anything to people, but we've got other teachings on this where we break down Daniel 11, but for the sake of time, you know, we're just talking about these kings and how they choose to rule. Look at verse 30, for the ships of Chittim shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant, 
so shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them uh, that forsake the holy covenant. So you see, there are going to be some that are going to fall away or, or did fall away to Antiochus Epiphanes and these guys because, you know, they felt like all hope was lost. So they gave themselves over to the Grecians. Look at verse 31. An arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now, let me explain this because I believe, guys, this is a trick of the Antichrist that is still going on today. In the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, he came and took over all of Israel and he wanted everybody to worship him, but he was a fierce dude. This guy went into the temple of the Lord, brought a pig into the holiest place and sacrificed the pig on the altar, on the mercy seat and sprinkled the blood all over. And then he had an erected image of Zeus, okay, or Baal or Nimrod in the holy place. Not what God wants, but he has his own God in there that he worshiped and he sprinkled the mercy seat with blood. So for six and a half years, they were not able to make sacrifices unto the Lord. So he took the daily sacrifice away here when he brought in the abomination that maketh desolate. They could not worship there for six and a half years until the sanctuary was cleaned again. What I also see the Antichrist doing is he's not just working with that temple like he did in the past. He's working with the temple today. He's sprinkling our temples with the blood of pigs and idols, okay, that he may make our temples desolate. This is why when he uses the world to gain your heart, he's going to take you away from the Lord. If he can take your heart, then you're going to have idols in this temple by nature. You're going to desire things that are not of God because you're disconnecting yourself from the tree of life, which is Christ. So I'm just making that point. But it says, look at verse 32, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So this guy, this antichrist spirit, Antiochus Epiphanes, he came in through flatteries, okay? So that's why he was able to do what he did, destroy the temple. But what ended up happening, a really funny thing, there was a guy named Judas Maccabees. If you ever look in the Apocrypha and you see the book of Maccabees there, it tells the full story. There was a guy named Judas Maccabees whose nickname was the Hammer. I guess he was some type of warrior or athlete. They band together and they said, man, with them putting this temple, I mean, this, this idol in the temple, man, this is a mess. No, we're going to fight back. And they actually did fight back and win. They actually ran the Greeks off, you know, which eventually were conquered by the Romans and the Romans took over Israel. But the point is, is that when it says here, for them that know their God shall be strong and do ex exploits, we must recognize that history repeats itself. If you and I be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, sorry, we will do exploits. Like when Daniel and his three buddies, when they weren't partakers of the king's meat, they were able to stand in the fire with Jesus Christ and not be consumed by it. The same thing will happen to us today if we understand the devil's tactics. He is going to come with flatteries. So look at what it says in verse 33. 
and they shall and they that understand among the people shall instruct many yet uh, they shall fall by the sword and by flame by captivity and by spoil many days now when they shall fall they shall be hoping with a little help but many shall cleave to them by flatteries so you're always going to find those people that are going to be given over to the antichrist or his spirit that are going to fight against the church but after you pass verse 34 and you get to verse 35 now we're talking about the future antichrist and he's going to be everything like his predecessors but he's going to be worse so look at verse uh 35 and some of them of understanding shall fall and try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time appointed and the king shall do now this is the antichrist guys the future according to his will and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished uh, for that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. So every time you hear people speak against Jesus Christ, I don't care what religion they're pushing. If it's the new age and they're talking about Jesus is with Saint Germain and all the other ascended masters with Buddha and Krishna, that is the spirit of antichrist because our God rules alone. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So anytime you see even the slightest pushing down of Jesus and resurrecting something to be his equal or like him or above him, that is the spirit of Antichrist. So it says here that uh, he shall magnify himself above all. And it says in verse 37, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor a desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. So as you can see, the Antichrist is this individual that is gonna, he says, no regard for women. You wonder why this homosexuality agenda is growing? This is why, guys. You know, when you look at the fact that he will, you know, not regard the God of his fathers, they're bringing a new wave. They're bringing new religion in, new ways to see things. Beware of the new and get back to the old pathways like Jeremiah 6 talked about. Anytime you find some new doctrine, man, you better be careful. Uh, hey, hey, Coach P, hope all is well. So anyway, it says, look at verse 38. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces uh, and a God whom his fathers knew not. Shall um, he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. So this guy likes the finer things in life. And it says that he won't, his fathers didn't know these things. When you look at this, guys, this is even, when it says fathers, it doesn't necessarily mean fathers or even your lineage, but it's gonna be a God that mankind has not known before. Okay, that's what it's talking about. Look at verse 39. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. That's why, guys, if you look at the seven heads and 10 horns, you see the spirit of Antichrist 
Every single one of those regions will be ruled by a king that will be appointed of the Antichrist. He's, he's taken over the world. So you see, don't fall for the lies and the snares and all these things that they're trying to tell you. We better keep our minds and our hearts focused on Jesus Christ because this whole world is Antichrist and he is going to step into a world that is his. Through his peace, he will destroy many. Look at Revelation chapter six. Revelation chapter six. And that's why it says we can't drink through two cups. We gotta choose which cup, guys, we're gonna drink from. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter um, uh, 10, uh, verses 19 and following. We better decide what cup we're gonna drink from. Because I'm telling you, the cup that drinks of the devil's cup will be subject to the devil. Revelation 6. And I know, you know, I don't want to hear people telling me we got to work, we got to do things. I'm not even talking about that. What I'm talking about is where is your heart? Daniel and all of them were in Babylon too, but they weren't serving the devil. They were working, doing whatever they could as far as they were working, but they made clear every time they were challenged who their God was. And most of us won't stand up like that because we've been eating what the beast eats. So you feel like the beast. You think your job is more important than God. You think everything else you deal with is more important than God. So you won't stand for Christ. When you remain silent at a time when God commands you to speak, that means your heart's been taken over. You know, and I'm not saying in every case, sometimes you got to grow and pray for strength and get strong, but we better learn to stay connected to the Lord, guys, because this thing is getting ready to wrap up. And whatever side we fall on things or whatever we're connected to, that's who's going to have us. Look at Revelation 6, guys. Look at verse 1. It says, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So what are we looking at here? We know that our Lord Jesus Christ will be coming back on a white horse and he will have a white robe. But this individual here is an imposter. This is the Antichrist. He's going to come, like I said, looking clean, looking like a good guy, but it makes clear that he went forth conquering and to conquer. When it says a crown was given unto him, the devil had given the Antichrist, you know, a crown. He's given him authority. So he's going to be ruling through the authority of the devil, not of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you why I feel like I do as far as, you know, certain laws and things are. Now, I know this from the inside that, you know, the presidency was an office that was meant to house the Antichrist. John Todd, who was a part of the Collins family, which was one of the high families of the Illuminati, said that they've been looking for the Antichrist for years. And they call every president that may have a potential chance to be the Antichrist, they call him Adam. Okay, they call him the son of God. They call him Adam. They, they are looking for their Adam. Every president that comes up may have the potential to be, but they're looking for that perfect one 
that will become Adam or the Antichrist. Okay, so that's why I feel the way I do. I agree with what Pastor Price says that we should have respect to the government in terms of, you know, they ruling over. But when they go against what the Bible says, then I'm going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting down in the fire with the Lord and not worshiping man. So Pastor Price is right. We shouldn't be slandering if we call ourselves Christians, anybody, not just the president. We shouldn't be talking about anybody in that way because that's not of the spirit of God. But when they go against Jesus Christ, okay, and they want you to bow down to them and they are pushing things that are not of Christ, then you need to give your heart to the Lord. Okay, so I totally agree with what Pastor Price is saying. But, you know, we're not supposed to be caught up in any of that trash. And when Jesus was here, he ignored them. He ignored, he didn't talk to Caesar and all these guys. He ignored them. He went on and did the father's business because he even said, my kingdom is not of this world. That's what we better pay attention to. So this guy, false prince of peace, he's an imposter. He's coming looking like a good guy. And it says, and when he had opened the second seal, they heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. I think honestly, guys, that this one is about to ride. Okay, when you talk about World War Three on the scene and you're starting to see all this stuff going on with Iran and Russia and China and the United States, the Antichrist, is bringing the red horse right down the middle, okay, that he will take peace from the earth and people will begin to fight. That's what this whole thing is about. This is what he's gonna bring. He's supposed to be a prince of peace, but he's going to bring war. Jesus says, when you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. In Matthew 24, he talked about famine, pestilences, and war. Those three things that, that uh, he talked about are right here in the word. That would be the time of the Antichrist. And he says, look at verse five, when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice of the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So this is the economic rider. The economy is not collapsing by accident. The antichrist has got to bring down the old system that he could resurrect a new demonic kingdom that is cashless, that he can have full control over. That's what we're gonna be talking about tomorrow night. We're going to get an in-depth look at the Antichrist system and how he does the things that he does. But as for tonight, we're talking about the very nature and the agenda of the Antichrist, how through his peace, he is going to destroy many. The economy is going to be going up. It's going to look like the rich are going to be doing good, but the poor, they're going to get even poorer. Okay. And I wrote down some stuff that I'm glad I'm remembering right now because I wanted to get this done. The Lord gave me this in prayer. But you know, I remember when I was coming home from the man up meeting that I got ready to board my plane 
And as I'm walking on the plane, I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> and some people may say, oh, Derek, you're just angry because it's not you. No, it's got nothing to do with that. But you'll see, like, people in first class, you know, and they're sitting there all smug while, you know, those who didn't pay first class, they got to sit up in the, you know, in the sardine seats, you know, lined up with other people. But, you know, this whole system is antichrist because I'm not mad at the people for, 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 um, for flying first class. But we got to look at this, guys. Why is there even a first class? You see, this is the spirit of antichrist how he chose some people that you're better than others. If you pay more, you can sit in the better seats. But why are there better seats? You see, in God's kingdom, there's not going to be, you know, all this other mess that people are getting themselves into trying to be better than your neighbor. The Bible tells us that we are to be like our neighbors. We are to love our neighbors, to esteem our brethren more than ourselves. But you see how that spirit of Antichrist, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm up in the good seats at the game. I'm courtside. You see, all that garbage has so much to do with the spirit of Antichrist. What we love, that's the harlot, the things that we long and we lust after. I've got to wear the biggest and the best and the greatest. I've got to be seen as some great one. That's the pride of life. But you see, that's what the demonic system is all about. Even when you look at the rich over the poor caste system, you know, some of us, we got to live in better areas because we want to raise our children. But if you even look at it, why are there better areas? And what separates one area from the next? All to do with the spirit of Antichrist, how they make the suburbs look a certain way. They won't put corner stores in the suburbs, guys. You notice that? They don't even have sidewalks in the suburbs. So there'll be nowhere for you to walk. They won't put any trains or anything through there because they want to keep the common people in a common place, but they want the rich and the elite to have a certain dwelling. And you see, it's through stuff like that that the spirit of Antichrist feeds onto the people, divides on them, makes you feel like you're better, that you can even lose touch with the realities of life. I want you guys to look at this. The caste system, you know, well, they're they're poor, you know, working class, you know, middle class, upper middle class, and then you got, you know, the rich, and then you got the elite that rule overall. Don't you know the devil's got to run the world like that? Don't you know that some people have to be slaves? There got to be people that will work to try and gain that elusive carrot so that you can pull your part of the wagon. You know, there are people that are rich that are seen, well, I don't want to work hard and see nothing. So now that I'm seeing the fruits of my labors, now I get to look down on the poor folk. You see, it's, it's all about if the devil doesn't make himself something, that the people will have nothing to live up to. So this is the whole kingdom. It's all on the backs of slaves that goes all the way up to the elite and the devil himself. I'm not doing Illuminati symbols because some nut will probably tell you that that's what I'm doing, but I'm not. But I'm just making the point, this is how the devil spews his poison and makes you believe that you are some great one. That's something to think about, guys. Another thing is um, educational degrees. We talked about that. You go through your little Masonic initiation, witchcraft degree, 
you flip your tail over in a witch robe, you throw off your hat, and you feel like you have arrived. There's nothing wrong with getting an education, guys, but it's the mindset of the Antichrist to see yourself as greater than another. We can't be a part of that. We can't let those things get to our minds because this is how the devil steals your heart. Another thing I have is democracy over communism. Now, before I say this, I wanna make this point, okay? Now, they determine who should be paid what. We should be able to go to school and make a living or do whatever because of what we know. But you gotta ask yourself, and I'm not saying this because I'm in education system, but how can a teacher make less than a lot of other professions, yet they are helping the economy by raising kids and teaching them the things that they need to know? Why is it that some, for some professions are higher paid than others? You know, and it's just so crazy to think about because I know what communism sounds like. You're treating people fair that are not really fair. Don't you know democracy is just another part of communism? It was only meant to make America think that it was wealthy and rich and free while it funded the rest of the new world order. Did you guys know that? You were just glorified slaves, that you believed you were chasing something that was a dream, but it was only meant to bring communism all around the world. Did you know that? Well, that is the truth, okay? But the fact that it should be taken care of, there should be nobody lacking, but the Antichrist kingdom does not run that way. Why am I bringing this forward? Because I want this to change? I'm not really concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is the poison spewed by the Antichrist to turn people's minds away from Jesus and onto the things that the devil wants. This is all I'm bringing forward. Clothing and outward appearance and possessions. You know, those are the things too. You know, Jesus Christ didn't cut those, um, didn't tailor make our clothes, okay? That came from the taste of the devil. Now, I don't really care about clothing, but if you look at it, they're making clothes to accommodate men, you know, for women, and they're mixing the whole thing up. But why are they doing this? Why are they telling you, man, if you got a $1,000 suit on, you're the man? They're spewing poison. There's nothing wrong with looking good. Nothing wrong with wearing an expensive suit but we can't have these things mess with our heads to where we really begin to think that we're some great one. Because some people are already sold out to the Antichrist, they don't even know it. They don't even know it. The very fact that these things are more important to you than getting on about the Lord's business says a lot of what's in the heart. That's all I'm saying, guys. So I'll put the Bread and Circus uh, article in the uh, description box that you guys can read it, but they always entertain and they flatter because with that, they have gained control. Remember the Patriot Act, remember 9-11, two so-called planes crashed into the Twin Towers and everything went crazy. And what happened? They told you that they were Afghan terrorists, all right? Osama bin Laden and all these guys, that's what they told us. And you know what that filled these American patriots with? rage. How dare they do that on our soil? And what did they do? They took that filth and went right over there to start a war just to make more money. Then all of a sudden it turns out we're fighting for oil. We're fighting for money in the name of freedom. It ain't about saving no Afghans or Iraqis. It was about getting the money 
to further along the New World Order agenda. That's all this is about, guys. That's all this whole thing is about. But you see, they told us, man, you know, we got to get these terrorists. Now, when you look at it, what was put in play? 9-11. That was the day that the New World Order was born. That was when they came with the Patriot Act. Now, phones are bugged. Everybody's being watched. Everybody's being told what to do because we were stupid enough to believe the lie and give up our liberties instead of keeping our eyes and our minds focused on Jesus Christ. Everybody wanted to be protected then, and now you're being protected by tyrants. Look at how the Antichrist works. He's going to make things. Now, let's get back to Revelation 6 because I'm going to close with one more scripture. But the point here is that he says that the black horse would come and he would bring bring um, famine and everything like that. And then it says, uh, look at verse seven. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And looked and behold, a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed uh, with him and power was given unto him or unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, why is this important? Because it says that death would be running all around at this time, but notice who's with death, it's hell. You see, how you live is important, but how you die is also important. I'm not trying to preach fear and keep people scared. I'm trying to tell people that while it all looks well with us, we better be sober and we better be vigilant because the devil has a plan. He does not want to go to hell alone. He intends to destroy lives while pretending like he's there for them. We better get wrapped up in Jesus Christ before this is all said and done or the devil will take our hearts. Look at 2 Thessalonians. No matter of fact, before we go there, look at James 2. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying, guys. Look at James chapter 2 and look at verse 1. I ain't saying this to make you feel bad, guys. I'm trying to wake people up to the reality of what's taking place, what's going on. There's a reason the devil has people stagnant. Most people don't want to lose what they have. That's the truth of the whole matter. That's why Jesus said a rich man will hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Look at James 2, guys. We're going to look at verse 1. He says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? For if there come unto you assembly, uh, a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment or with dirty clothing, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, not gay as in homosexual clothing, happy clothing, goodly clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? So the, James is asking the question, how do you do this, guys? How do you find yourself being respectful to the corporate man that carries the briefcase, briefcase to the blazers that may come in town, 
or to the Jets or to the Patriots or whomever. You guys see him and you take care of him real good. But the man that is dressed in dirty clothes, you look at him like, yeah, man, why don't you have a seat over there? We don't want you bothering the rich. We don't want you, you know, yeah, why don't you? Or you don't really give them the time of day. You ever have like a homeless person or somebody telling you something? And it might be some good advice, but you, yeah, 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 I hear you. You have a good day, okay? But when a rich man's talking, you know, you put your hands behind your back and you're standing there and you, you know, rocking back and forth. And yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought. You're trying to show him how intelligent you are. You see how we're plagued with this mess? There's nothing wrong with intelligence, guys. I'm just trying to show us what's within. Why must we feel the need to perform? Why is this person regarded as more than the person over here? It's all about the spirit of Antichrist, how through his peace, his style, his fashion, all the things that he enjoys in his kingdom, how he is destroying many. So look at what James is saying. How can you um, take care of the guy who's in goodly clothing, but the man that's in poor clothing, you give him some place outside to eat, some barn or under some footstool. He says, are ye not then partial in yourselves? and are become judges of evil things? He says, hearken my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, uh, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Have not God chosen the poor? Has he not chosen these people of this world to be rich towards him, to show the rich people that you don't need money to make it? Of course we need money to do things, but the point being brought forward here is, who did Jesus Christ cho chose? Who did he choose? How did he live? What did he say about those men in the king's palaces? You know, this is just what I'm saying. Our Lord is, uh, now of course he's in heaven, decked out in majesty, if you probably saw him, you'd probably fall down dead, okay? I'm not doubting that for one minute, but that's the kingdom of God, okay? This is the earth. This is the devil's realm, and there's nothing wrong with looking good. I have a nice wardrobe back there. Sister Sarah will tell you, Melissa and all the others, it's got nothing to do with that, but it's about the heart, who we see ourselves as, how we should be conducting ourselves in this world. That's an important thing, guys, how the devil is destroying us through his policy, through his peace. So anyway, he says, look at verse six, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Isn't it the rich people, guys, that are ruling over you, calling you their peons and their slaves? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name? by the which ye are called? Don't they make fun of your God? Isn't it the rich? Is it the poor? Or is it the rich and wealthy that are funding these programs to blaspheme your God? Who is the enemy? And I'm not saying there's not poor people full of the devil. And I'm not saying there aren't rich people full of, the Christ, full of Christ. So if you're thinking that, get that out of your head. I'm looking at the perspective of what we're looking at, guys, and what we're seeing here. He says, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. You see, there is a spirit of antichrist in the world that many people are not aware of that oppresses people and pushes us up and pushes other people down. I'm not talking about working hard for what you have. I'm speaking of the mentality of the Antichrist that people have fallen in love with, glamorizing the gospel and calling that God. When God did no such things, the, the, the gospel work, man, is a grimy job. It's a bloody job. It's a sacrificial job. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, what Paul endured. You read about the fishermen. You read about the shepherd. You read about the men that labor in the field. This is a grimy work. This is a gritty work. This is a work that we work for now. That in the coming of Jesus Christ, we may inherit the riches of Christ. But many people today are giving themselves over to the lives and the glitz and the glamour of the beast to do one thing, by peace, destroy many. So we must keep ourselves in Jesus Christ, regardless of what we have and regardless of what we do. Of course, we need money, okay? Of course, we need to get things done in, these, in this life, but these things cannot, they cannot be your God. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Man, he's a slick guy. Well, we're looking for the Antichrist. There are a lot of people serving the Antichrist and don't even know it. Don't even know it, guys. Read Revelation 13 in your spare time about buying and selling, you know, because a lot of people, guys, are, um, you know, if they, they're not separated from it, they're going to give themselves over. Hey, Dawn, and hey, Brother Mark. Hope all is well, brother. 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So the Antichrist, guys, is going to have to come on the scene before we're gonna see Jesus Christ, okay? His job for three and a half years is to try and win as many souls to him as he can. Once he's done with that, once he's got control over the situation, he is going to go for three and a half years of destroying many. So it's important that we understand this. His first three and a half years is to ring in the harvest and his last three and a half years is to lead them all to the slaughter. This is what he is going to do, but there first has to come a great falling away. So that should strike fear in the hearts of some people that the falling away has got to occur with those who are in the faith. Where are they falling away to? Where are they going? They are headed 
for the Antichrist. So if many Christians are going to be deceived in this and go through the broad way to their own destruction, then this guy has got to be something that is going to appeal to the senses that are gonna get people to forsake the spirit of God. We must pay attention to this. Don't think, oh no, not me. Yes, it can be too, if you don't stay connected to Jesus. So there'll be a falling away. That word is apostasia. You're seeing a lot of apostasy going on in the church. And then it says, uh, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God and shews himself that he is God. A lot of people are waiting on a third temple. They're talking about building it. Will there be? I don't know. But even if they do, I believe it's going to be a farce. I think the temple that he is planning on sitting in and shewing himself to be God will be you and I if we don't stay connected to the Lord. You can be your own God if you disobey the spirit and you do what you want to do in your life. That's how it can happen. That's how easy it is. Stop looking for a man in a suit with red eyes that's going to take over the world. Look at the man in the mirror brushing his teeth every morning that has not given his life over to Jesus Christ because it says he's going to sit in the temple. Now, the reason why I think that temple is us, why I think it has a lot to do with us, even if there's another one built, because of this one reason. When you look at the uh, tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness, they had that. Then you look at Solomon's temple, which was a more permanent location. They had that. Then you go to Herod's temple. It took 46 years to build. And Jesus says he's going to destroy all those. But he says he wasn't talking about, you know, rebuilding the temple in three days. He was talking about you and I. So if it moved from physical unto spiritual with Jesus, then you know that the Antichrist, because he is an imposter and an impersonator, will do the same thing. He's moving too from the temples, from the churches, from all these places, and he's coming right for you. Because if he sits in us who are the lively stones of Jesus Christ, he can change us and make us a part of his body and not the body of the Lord. So I think he's going to sit in the temple of man. His spirit is already going throughout the world, sitting in the temple of man and shewing himself that he is God. That's, that's all a part of what he's doing. Look at verse five. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Uh, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Some people have called this the church. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is holding back this man from coming because he knows when these times come, things are going to be so hard. God has given us all a chance to get built up, to get stronger in Jesus, that we may give all things over to him. You know, because once the Holy Spirit is told to step back, then there's going to be a wave of Antichrist all over, guys. So anyway, he says, look at verse eight. And then shall that wicked, that's a capital W, they're talking about a man. 
that wicked will be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So we must look at this. He's gonna try and fight against the Lord. No one's gonna stop this God. You read Daniel 7 and 25, it made clear that he is going to make war with the saints of the Most High and he's going to wear out the saints of the Most High and he's even gonna think to change times and laws. That's what you see playing out now. But it's gonna take one champion who is our Lord Jesus Christ to take this God down, okay? Look at verse nine. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So if the Antichrist work is coming after the workings of Satan, then you know for a fact, okay, that this world must belong to the devil. That's why all these rules are being put in play. That's why, you know, they're electing the people that they're electing. We don't elect our presidents, guys. They are selected by blood, okay? They are selected. They pick and they choose who they want. You think your little vote means something? It means absolutely nothing. The only vote that we should be concerned with is giving our lives to Jesus Christ and praying through for a breakthrough that he may get done what he needs to do here. So it says, you know, he's coming after the working of Satan with what? All power and signs and lying wonders. Don't just flock to where you see power. You better test the spirits to see if they be of God. One thing I like what Pastor Price said that is so true. Pastor Price said that you're going to know the true powers and signs and wonders because it's going to be backed up by the gospel. You see how many people are with Benny Hinn? You see how many people are following all these false ministers out there that are supposed to have real power? You know, but they preach a false gospel. So you know that the power of God can't be backing that. It, the, the power is going to rest on the true gospel. It's not just what they perform. It's what you heard them say. Because Jesus said that the disciples would be back with the power of God. Uh, hey, Brother Daniel, hope all is well. So he says in verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. So unrighteousness, guys, is not going to look like unrighteousness. It's going to be filled with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So a lot of people are going to flock to unrighteousness because it's going to look like in this time that it is righteous. And that's why we must wear the full armor of God, have our, blessed, our breastplates, breastplates on, that helmet of salvation, stay heavenly minded, breastplate protects the heart. We've got to have the truth about our loins all up inside of us that we don't fall victim to doctrine. Okay, we must have that shield of faith to block the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's why we must stay in Christ because the full heart is just Jesus Christ in you. That's all it is. And we must look at too, guys, you know, the sword of the spirit, which is the written and spoken word of God. We must cling to the word because that's gonna get us through and have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must stand firm on God's word, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, it does not matter. We must stand firm with the word of God. 
So these people are going to be destroyed because they receive not the love of the truth. He says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not in the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So these people love what they did. And it says God is going to send the strong delusion. What I believe the Lord is going to do is he's going to allow man to think how he wants. You know how people are telling you prosperity gospel is false. Man, don't get into that mess. You know, serve the things that God calls you and put your money where God tells you. You know, the prosperity mess, people are going to flock to it and they're going to see it as truth. They're going to stay at world changers. They're going to stay at Potter's house. They're going to stay in Joel Osteen's mega church because they're going to believe lies. Because when people were telling them, guys, this isn't right, people are, oh, man, whatever. I don't see anything wrong with him. And you know what? You won't see anything wrong with them. You're going to go blind. When you flock away from the spirit of truth, then comes the spirit of error. So we must stay in the armor and the life of Jesus Christ that these things don't penetrate. So he said, hey, they will all be damned because they received not the love of the truth. And, um, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. But now Paul is speaking to those who can hear. He says, but we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So not only do we need to believe the truth, guys, we must be sanctified to be filled with the spirit of truth. Because if there's any areas in you that are not like God, around the time this thing kicks off, the devil is gonna pull that fifth column and people are gonna go with him by nature. He says, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by the word or by our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our father, which have loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So we've got to stay in with the Lord and do what he says. Philippians two guys, and I'm closing from there. I know it's kind of lengthy tonight. I didn't get into a lot of the things I wanted to, but read Philippians 3 and 4 in your spare time, how it talks about those people whose God is their belly, who glory in their shame. They mind earthly things, you know, and um, man, I could never remember the fourth, but you see, we got to make sure that's not in us. They glory in their shame. They mind earthly things. Their end is destruction and their God is their belly. I believe that's what it is. But the, the point is, is we got to be separate from these things because the Lord put this on my heart today. I had no idea what I was going to say, but you know, he gave this to me and I believe full well that what, the, what you guys have heard today is the truth. You can believe whatever you want and go forward with whatever after this, but I believe the Lord shows us his heart many times and there are things that he does not want you and I to be connected to because he knows in the end, it's gonna hurt the temple and defile it and cause people to flock to the things that are not of God. Hey, Sister Chastity, hope all is well. Look at Philippians two and look at verse one, guys. And I'm closing from there. 
I know this ain't a popular doctrine, but if anybody gets mad with this, I just recommend to them, check your heart. Check your heart because I'm just giving you Bible. I'm just telling you what the Lord says and what it's all about. So if you're mad at me, perhaps you've got an agenda. Something ain't right with you that you need to seek the Lord for and get right with him. Philippians 2, guys, look at verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, he says, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Nothing but the world today has transformed minds and caused people to not flock to the ways of Jesus Christ. You know, nothing has done it more, has separated the church more than people having their own agendas, their own mind, their own likes, their own things that they're into, contrary to the word of God. That's where the division is coming in. If the devil can corrupt the gospel, then we're all going to be separated by that which we believe. Look at verse three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, meaning humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. So look at this. This is the heart of God. He says, let nothing be done through strife like contention or vainglory, puffing yourself up in pride. He says, but in lowliness of mind, desiring to help with all humility, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Can we honestly say, guys, that we treat anybody that we know better than we treat ourselves? Probably not. But you see, let's, let's see why this was called upon that we may do these things. Look at what he's telling them they ought to do so that these things can be done. But you know what? We did see that in the book of Acts. We saw everybody selling their possessions, laying them at the apostles' feet, you know, breaking bread with gladness and singleness of heart. And because of all that selflessness, and they were all governed by the fear of the Lord that God added to the church daily and gave unto all such as who would have need. But look at verse four, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So I should be concerned. If I don't hear from my brother, Coach P, in a couple of weeks, I should be checking in and seeing how he's doing. Okay, if I miss my brother, Rashid, or my or Pastor Price, or, you know, Brother Daniel or Brother Timotheus or Brother Rock T or Sister Naima or Sister Sarah, Sister Melissa or whomever. You know, if, if I don't hear from them in a while, I need to check on my brethren and see how they're doing. Because, you know, when, when uh, Cain asked God that question, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that is, yes, you are. You are to be there for one another. You are to care for one another. You are to nurture and grow with one another that we may reach the fullness of Christ. But you got too many today on their own things, concern for self. When you got selfishness and not selflessness, that is the spirit of Antichrist. If Jesus Christ came to this world totally selfless, then the Antichrist comes to this world totally self-ish. Like Pastor Price said today, and this is true, 
two words that define the spirit of Antichrist, and that is self-preservation. Jesus gave up himself. The Antichrist is going to save self at everybody else's expense. So he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. So man, Jesus came in the form of God, but thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself, guys, of no reputation. He could have come down here in divine majesty, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He went down to the level of men that he may redeem man, that, that, that man may relate to him and understand him. How can we puff ourselves so high up and expect to save souls on every level? You see, we've got to be able to relate. Paul says that I became all things to all men that they may win Christ. We must be the same way in loving and caring for the brethren. Look at this. So he says, in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself um, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus was humble, even unto his own death, dying out spiritually, but even the death of the cross. When Jesus looked in that cup, he knew what was coming his way, but you know what? It was love for the brethren and obedience unto the Father and total selflessness in the will of Christ that made him care about his brethren. Man, made him go to the death of a cross, crucifixion. Look at verse nine. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and was exalted. The devil raised himself up, and so does the Antichrist in the future, and he's going to be brought low. You want to see their fate? Look at the end of Revelation 19, where it talks about he and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. So look at this, verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, and then look at what it says in verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we gotta give these bodies back to the Lord and we gotta give them over as a living sacrifice, which we're gonna talk about Tuesday night, that God can govern and do what needs to be done. Guys, this thing won't be complete unless we give it all over to the Lord. Have your life make sense. Your safest refuge is in Jesus Christ. It is a death to you in the, in the nature of Adam 
to be born again and pick up the divine nature of Jesus Christ that we may be as him. That is your safety valve. Jesus Christ was the only one who could walk this earth without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. So Christ in you is the hope of glory to get the job done. No matter who we think we are, we will never fulfill the will of the Lord until we are dead to self. So I brought that up tonight, guys, because, you know, like I said, with the Antichrist and his peace, a lot of people think they're serving the Lord, but they really got more in common with the Antichrist than they got with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not up to me to point out who. I got to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But, you know, Sister Tara and I are like that. If I don't hear from Sister Tara in a while, I'll message her, hey, how you doing? And she did the same thing for me when I was at the Man Up meeting. And, you know, people probably wonder why I didn't come on Sunday or whatever to teach. Sister Tara said, hey, I'm checking out on my brother. How are you doing? But you see, that's the way we've got to be. We've got to be selfless. We've got to love one another. If I don't hear from Sister Naima in a while, I'll check on her. She'll check on me. Tatiana will let me know what's going on. I check on Tatiana. You know, I check on Brother Jeremiah. I'll check on Pastor Price. He checks on us. But that's what this thing is about, guys. We've got to be selfless to see each other grow. We got to step away from these things because the world itself is what's killing man. All right. So anyway, um, I just want to say to people out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins. That's to make a 180. Turn from them. Get right with Christ. You know, confess your sins to the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we've got to get in that place of getting back to him, guys, spending time with him, knowing that he is the only way, believing on him, being intimate with him, having a real relationship, spending time in his word, blanking out the world, going back to silence, silence. Well, you know, Leonard Ravenhill had a teaching called um, hide thyself, go hide yourself. But that's what we should be doing, getting used to the, to the silence, just you and Christ, to get built up, to get filled so that we can do what he calls us to. You know, the, the anointing doesn't come with diplomas, diplomas and degrees. It comes with hiding away in the secret place, spending time with God, getting breathed on by the spirit. You know, but confess your sins, guys, and our God is faithful and just to forgive us of them and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's time to get serious. It's getting late in the game. You know, one day we may go off to church and you see paratroopers coming down in America, maybe Chinese troops, maybe Afghan troops, maybe Iranian troops. It can get that serious. So it's time that we give our lives to the Lord and get full of him that we may be able to stand in the evil day. And I just wanna tell people, um, Two books I recommend. Uh, this is the Organic Gospel Book with Pastor Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. This shows that the gospel is organic. We're not selling books for cash. This is about getting saints built up that they may be able to stand in the evil day. We must learn that you cannot try to be a Christian. You must die out to self, become alive to Jesus Christ, and have the peaceable fruit that are in Jesus Christ grown in us. Okay, it's a good read, guys. You don't want to miss out on this. This is not a sales pitch. This is telling you what may simplify the gospel for you. 
that you may be able to, you know, stand in the day and get built up in Christ. So many organic terms in the Bible, righteous trees, fruit, all these different things, seeds, all this stuff is everything to do with us growing, staying connected to Christ and getting built up. It's $13.95. Uh, you can get this book at www.theorganicgospel.net. Okay, so it's a good beer, it's a good read. And it's thin. Look, 127 pages. Don't cheat yourself, treat yourself, guys. And the other book by our brother Jeremiah Poja, Coach P. This is a book called And They Overcame. This is the second edition. Okay, this book is uh $7.99. You can get it at Lulu Books, and it's the testimony of other Christians that are fighting through sin, that have overcome sin, been through a lot of different things. You know, maybe good to read some of these testimonies. My testimony is in here too, along with a lot of other brethren and sisters that may help you overcome and get right with the Lord. So I recommend this book also, $7.99. You can get it on Lulu Books, but it's by Coach P, okay? Brother Coach P, and I think other brothers and sisters help put it together, but you want to get it, guys. They're good reads, and they're going to help us in our walks, okay? Um, let's pray, and I think we're going to go out from there. If there's any prayer requests or anything going on, let me know. Uh, what does Brother Timothy say? Um, I felt the warmth of hell on my skin before. The Lord woke me up uh, by his mercy. We need to take advantage of his mercy and not go to sleep without seeking his forgiveness. Amen, brother. That says it all. So let's pray, guys, and we're going to go out from there. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. Right now, we just commit this time to you, Lord, to thank you. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for your son that died for us, Lord, that showed us how to do it. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you have used to come unto us, to lead us in the ways of righteousness, that we may be sanctified. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you do in your kingdom, how you protect us as we go to and fro, how you protect our families, how you were just good and merciful, Lord, how even though the devil has turned this world upside down, that you have kept us in our right minds, Lord, that we may hear your truth and pursue it. So I pray for all the brethren and sisters that were listening in tonight. I pray for a special anointing upon their lives. I pray for all those who are unrepentant, that this word is pierced deep, that they might receive it. And Lord, I ask that you release funds for Dunamis Tabernacle, Lord, that they may get up and running that we may get an end time push done in you. We thank you for all those who even support this ministry, that we may get done the works that we do, Lord. And we just ask that you add unto them a thousandfold, Lord, that you look after your people as you always do, that we may be faithful brides without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. So we pray for a saturation in your anointing. We pray for broken hearts. We pray to be raised and strengthened in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro, fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we may be built up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. So we pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow night's teaching is going to be called 
the digital dossier. The digital dossier. We're going to get an in-depth look of the devil's kingdom and what it's about, how you and I can stay free in some ways, spending time with the Lord. And um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of information brought forward. So look like we'll have a good one. And then uh, Tuesday night's teaching will be called a living sacrifice, which the Lord is teaching me every day, showing me things about myself, showing me things that I must do, getting me to the place of obedience where I'm realizing, even if I don't feel like danger's around, I need to submit myself to the process of praying before him, spending time with him, and being obedient to every word, every thought that we may have our, you know, fulfillment in Christ. So, I just want to say I love you all, guys, Sister Tara, Sister Tatiana, Sister Naima, Brother Timotheus, uh, let's see, Coach P, uh, Brother Daniel, uh, who else is on tonight? Another brother, his name is written in uh, Chinese characters, so I can't tell his name, but thank you for being on, you know, um, Sister Chastity. Uh, who else? Uh, my sister Dawn, her husband Randy, uh, sister Melissa, uh, brother Charles, uh, brother Mark. Thank you for being on tonight. Hope all is well with you. And um, man, I'd have to scroll all the way up to find some, but uh, sister Latoya, of course, uh, sister Tanisha, keep her in prayer too. And guys, pray for Sister Tatiana. She's going through a rough time right now where she needs prayer, okay? You know, she's in a rough situation. Uh, Miss Tan, thank you for being on. Uh, Brother Frederick, uh, Sister Joni. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Brother Daryl and uh, Sister Teresa. Our sister Teresa in Texas, keep her in prayer as well. So I just want to say I love you guys. If it's been a, a benefit to you, subscribe to the channel. You know, um, yeah, I love you all. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And at least until tomorrow night, you guys have a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.